Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. I'm Kate Borsay. England are into the World Cup final. History made for the Lionesses, but broken dreams for the hosts Australia. Lindsay Hooper joins us today from a watch party in central London. Hi, Linz. Hello. This is the best day ever. And <laughs> I am at Toka Social at London's O2 Arena. If it is a little bit echoey, it's because they've put me in an office away from all the noise. But you can... Soak up some of that atmosphere because I was recording earlier on. But oh my word, we're in a final of a World Cup. We certainly are. We're going to relish this moment with two England greats as well who've played against each other in Australia. It's Jodie Taylor. Hi, Jodie. Hey, Kate. Hey, Lynn. And Natasha Dowie. Hi, Tash. Hi, Kate. And not forgetting Helen Hardy, our roving reporter, joins us from Stadium Australia in Sydney. Good day, Helen. Good day, guys. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what she's got to say, but hold that thought, Helen. We're going to be hearing not only from Helen, but from the players themselves in a short while. Well done, by the way, to listener Spanner. They get top of the show billing uh, because they correctly predicted the score on Twitter, 3 one to England. Helen, pick up on that for me. Tell me about the atmosphere there and the England celebrations as well. Do you know what? I've been trying to duck out of coming to the stadium about four times today because I've been so nervous. I've been lying to people like, oh, I feel really sick. I need to stay home. I can't go. I couldn't. I just couldn't go through with it. But my goodness, am I glad that I went through with it. It was probably on par with one of the greatest women's football moments in terms of atmosphere and electricity Um, and that was of course the European final last year at Wembley the noise was something else the Australia fans were incredible such a good experience it was really good the Aussies they can take our cricket they can take the netball but they cannot take our football do you know what (laughs) I wanted to do a sign that says you've got to earn it and why earn like you are in <laughs> the ashes are. we get it we get it but they were done for it um, so Helen you couldn't quite muster up the guts to put your signs up but did you cheer when England scored and how did the sort of emotion wave of the game go in Sydney the first 10-15 minutes were really difficult I think for England because they were behind every pass every throw in, it started to calm down. I think that's when England really started to get into their groove a little bit. And it was really difficult because if you're an Australian fan, there wasn't much to cheer in that period. But when Sam Kerr got the goal and and what a goal, I mean, we were clapping. You can't not because my goodness, she's been out injured. She runs the length of the pitch and then she does that to arguably the world's best goalkeeper in, in Mary Earps. And we were all clapping, but the stadium was incredible I mean the flags the the fans were running down the stairwell just to like get closer to the action we were right behind that goal it was it was magnificent and then yeah again it it was Australia on the ascendancy England just did brilliantly at sort of nullifying it and when they did you felt the energy drop and the fans drop and that's when we kind of uh, took it to the next gear and scored the second and the third 
It was absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will come back to you in just a second. Uh, Talking of reactions to goals, let's listen to Lindsay. You were certainly having a bit of fun in London town, weren't you, Lindsay? Especially when your one-to-watch prediction did this. We were surrounded by families and children and everyone getting so excited after that Ella Toon goal. And I just thought, this is what it's about. This is about bringing a country together. And it doesn't matter who you are. And we were all enjoying it together. And I just loved it. I loved every minute of that atmosphere. And speaking of some of those children, I mean, I, I managed to get some of the reactions from some 9, 10, 11-year-olds, but also some of the people that I was sat with watching. I'm Joe from Tongue Tied Management. This is just, I feel sick, like I'm shaking. This is just incredible. It's historic. I just can't believe we're here. <laughs> I can't believe we're here. Carrie Brown, senior correspondent for B in Sports. Oh my goodness. Um, I was in Lyon in the stadium as a fan for the last semi final and heartbreak with that Steph Horton penalty. And then, oh, just, I've worked in Stadium Australia for a, you know, an all Australian final. Australia in the. Um, Asian Cup and, and it's such a cauldron just just incredible I'm so proud of this group of women my name is Dolly and I'm nine years old and I think it's amazing and I'm so proud of them hi I'm 11 years old and my name's Anna and I really think that was amazing I'm Jackie I, th- I can't actually believe we're in the final I, I think going into it Without Leah, without Beth, we just keep pulling it out of the bag. Some of our wins haven't been particularly pretty, but final, here we come. 3-1. Great stuff there and so good to hear from uh, across generations of fans as well. Let's get into the game then, shall we, everyone? England became World Cup finalists with a 3-1 win over the hosts Australia, just like she did in the Euros final. Ella Toon opened the scoring, but Sam Kerr wasn't going to be stopped that easily. A superb solo effort from range meant that Australia equalised. Then cue Lauren Hemp, who pounced on a long ball from Millie Brighton, finished in the far corner to put England ahead 2-1. And then it was Alessia Russo who sealed the win for the Lionesses, a superb right-footed finish into the far corner. Let's give the first word, shall we, to the England players. We've managed to catch up with a few of them. Here's Jess Carter, Rach Daly and Lucy Bronze. I said to Jess Carter and Beth England, I said, you must just think England just gets to finals. Like, you haven't been there, you know, in Canada, in France, uh, in Holland, even in the Euros, and suffering defeat after defeat in semi-finals. So yeah, to finally have made it is just a dream come true. I'm really good friends with a couple of them, obviously. They're my teammates in, in Barcelona. Uh, myself and Kira know them very well. Um, I've been speaking to a few of them throughout the tournament. Um, and even before the tournament started, we had a joke saying, oh, we'll see you in the final, and obviously that's come true. Yeah, super excited. I think we had to dig deep today. It was another tough challenge thrown at us. I think Australia, a tough opponent, the crowd are incredible. So, you know, we had to really stay switched on, um, try and nullify their transitions and their threats and try and get behind them. There's a lot of noise outside, and I've been saying it from the beginning. Everyone doubted us on the outside looking in. You only beat Haiti 1-0, you only beat Denmark 1-0, but I knew that would come round good at the end. It was... Would you take a 1-0 win now in the first game? Of course you would, uh, win the World Cup final. So this team's got so much inner belief and there's, you know, hopefully nothing can stop us and we've got a massive, massive game to go now. 
And in the Aussies corner, here's Sam Kerr and Steph Catley. Uh, yeah, just disappointed. There was only a couple of moments in the game and I guess they took theirs and I thought it was honestly pretty even and after we scored I thought we were going to go and score another and then they kind of got the momentum back so yeah, all I can think about is disappointment right now. The only thing that's keeping me smiling right now is the way that we've kind of inspired the nation, everyone's got behind us. Um, I think for us it's been, you know, hopefully life-changing for women's football in Australia. Now it's time for funding and all of that stuff to be invested in the game because this is, this is the world game for a reason. You know, we need funding in our development. We need funding in our grassroots. We need funding everywhere. The, you know, comparison to other sports isn't really good enough and hopefully this tournament kind of changes that because that's the legacy you leave, not, not what you do on the pitch. The legacy is what you do off the pitch and hopefully... I mean, it's hard to talk about now, but hopefully that this is the start of something new. It's been a bit of a, a whirlwind, but uh, haven't really had a chance to process everything. I think right now it's just, you know, heartbreak and, and disappointment that what we've done here is ultimately ended. Um, we do have another game, but we, um, we're proud that we created history, that we were able to get to a semi-final, um, but we, we ultimately believe that we could go all the way and do something really special. So it's just about processing that heartbreak and um, trying to bounce back and get ready for the next game. Jodie Taylor, let's bring you into this one. What impressed you most about England as a forward, was it their movement in attack, that defensive solidity that we've seen all tournaments? Yeah, for me, I think what impressed me the most about the Lionesses tonight against Australia was how well they defended. I thought they were defensively very organised. We know what Australia are capable of with, with their attack and, and having a world-class striker in Sam Kerr. And I, I thought they nullified Australia most of the game. And, and I think what was most impressive to me was how they quietened the crowd. We know playing against the host nation in front of 70-odd thousand Australian fans, that was going to be a huge factor. And that the 12th player and that energy that, that the fans bring, I thought England did a fantastic job of, of keeping them as quiet as they possibly could in a 90-minute game. And they, they felt like they were in control. It felt like we were in control most of the game. A few unnecessary square passes to give away um, the ball, and, and there's a few counters from Australia, including Sam's. Sam Kerr's won the goal, um, but for the most part, I thought you know defensively we, we were very solid. Tash, we also had what felt like razor sharp focus and the little bit of stardust on the top that we've been waiting all tournament for. We saw that in the second half, I think. Anyway, tell me your impressions. Yeah, I think that was definitely the key today is how clinical we were in front of goal. Pretty much the chances that we got given, we scored. And I think actually there was a key moment when Sam Kerr got that equaliser. She then had a header that I think everyone would put their mortgage on her scoring. That could have made it 2-1. And then the volley as well that she missed could have made it 3-1. So I think that that then kind of turned the game. And then we went down the other end. And Hemp, she was player of the match for me today. I think she was phenomenal. But what I've loved about her last couple of goals is how alert she's been, you know, to the defenders making mistakes. Last game and then today, Ellie Carpenter has to do better defensively, has has tried to shield it, should just clear the ball. But Hemp has pounced on that mistake and obviously got a toe to it. And I think she's looked really lively. And the assist as well for Russo's finish was um, was just magnificent. It really was. So, yeah, today I think the forward line again turned up and... 
you know, that was the difference today. The thing as well with that pass, Tash, she disguised it so well mm-hmm. because she actually didn't really have many options, did she? Um, Absolutely. There was, yeah. there was Russo making that run and you were thinking, well, she could go left, but that's a more difficult pass to make. So you think that she's signposted to the Australians what she's going to do and she managed to just disguise it so well. It was lovely because when you watch the highlights back, Russo almost looks as if she's a bit frustrated that she's left it so late and it's almost as if she hasn't seen her. And then the little reverse pass, you know, it's just lovely. It's weighted perfectly. And when Russo's in those positions, that's not that's no. not an easy finish, by the way. You know, she's she's going away from goal. And the way that she hits the side netting, you know, that's what I think makes Russo a real world-class striker is that for me, the best finishers are the ones that hit the side netting. They don't go for power. She places everything with such accuracy, like what Robbie Fowler used to be like back in the day for Liverpool. Tell me what this was like to see live, Helen. Um, I know it's always a bit distorted, isn't it, when you're in the stadium. Matches do seem to pass by in an absolute flash. You almost have to watch it again to remember what happened. Yeah, uh, the, it was absolutely incredible inside there. And and when the players were taking those opportunities, I think it was the first time in this competition that I thought we had this sort of clinical edge that we haven't seen yet really from England so far in the tournament. And as USA and Tash hitting in the side netting, I think one thing for me that I took from the game inside the stadium in terms of atmosphere, I'm not sure if it's picked up on television, was around the refereeing. And I've commented on it on Twitter, probably not going to be very popular for thinking this, but... I just think the the World Cup now compared to what I experienced in 2019, compared to what I experienced in 2017 in the Netherlands and then what I saw on TV in 2015 is these crowds are massive. They're massive, they're loud, they're hostile. I don't think the referee was well well equipped enough for the first half in particular for this game. And a lot of the decisions I felt were being based on every boo, every whistle, every jeer. And it was really going against England. It's difficult without taking my biased hat off and knowing whether on television it came across differently. But I just feel like in these big game moments, it's the best person for the job to referee that game. And I don't know whether it was just too big of a moment, 70-odd thousand Australian fans against you and mm. um, every decision. But I don't know how it came across on television or whether it came across that way. It just came across that she was very smiling. <laughs> she, did. I mean, she did smile she did, after, she after Russo's goal, didn't she? She almost gave her a pat on the back, which I thought was a bit odd. Well, I didn't see that on <laughs> while I was inside the stadium. It, it, felt like, it felt like she really bedded into the game and it came to the second half with this sort of different perspective but in the first half it it felt that way oh there's no doubt when you've got 70 odd thousand fans cheering in one direction I think it's going to influence the refereeing and you know I I think as refs they want to get on top of the game early and if they start feeling that physicality and the tackles are flying in you want to try and get rid of that before the game gets out of control so there's no doubt the crowd and, and the occasion would have factored into the refereeing decision Yeah, I think also England did well with regards to how they dealt with Sam Kerr early on. I think they put in a few tackles just to let her know that we are here, you know, and to not give her that kind of momentum. You know, everyone knows she's got pace to burn. And there's a couple of times Alex Greenwood. Actually, I think the Australians had an error to not play on Alex Greenwood more because after 10 minutes, she got a yellow card. Mm -hmm. Now, if I was Sam Kerr as a centre forward, look, Alex Greenwood has been one of these star players for this England team and during the World Cup, but she's not been known for pace. Let's be honest, she's a ball player. She's a good defender. 
But if I had been Sam Kerr for the rest of them 80 minutes plus, I would have been playing on Alex Greenwood and looking to try and get a cent off because there's no competition there pace-wise. And I think they missed a trick there with not targeting her more. Serena held firm when it came to substitutions. I honestly thought there was a a period when Australia were on top in that second half where I thought England looked really leggy and I was thinking, oh, what's going to happen? We've had this a couple of times now, Jodie, where we thought, oh, there's going to be an impact sub and then she's just held off. She's not going to change it. And, you know, we spoke about what would Ella Toon start this match, what the other options would Jordan Nobbs come in. And obviously she went with Ella Toon and rightfully so. And one thing I want to say what impressed me about Ella Toon is it's not not easy going into a tournament where you think you're going to start. You've been starting the the, the build-up games and all of a sudden you dropped for Lauren James, who's having a phenomenal tournament and everyone's talking about her in the hypes there. Had then obviously the, the circumstances of, of James getting sent off. Now now you're expected to then step step back into a starting lineup and perform, and that's hard. That's an emotional roller coaster that is really difficult to bounce mm-hmm. back from. You think you're going to start, you dropped. You don't even know you're going to play again in the tournament. To then step in and score in a crucial moment and have the right attitude and the mentality to be able to do that is incredible. And I think what we're seeing with this Lioness team is is that mentality, that amazing attitude, the togetherness of the team. Whether you start, you don't. And this is what's got them into the final. I guess it just depends, doesn't it, whether that mentality will be there for the final in terms of Lauren James. Thundercat, who's a listener on Twitter, has asked, (laughs) uh, where does Lauren James fit into this England side now with Toon scoring that goal? Where does she fit? Serena's got a huge decision on her hands. I think Lauren (laughs) James is better, is better starting with Ella Toon coming on. However, Ella Toon's had a great game. The team's played well and, and with that momentum. It's hard. I think personally I would start Ella Toon and, and Lauren James is there given the circumstances, but we do know that Serena will make big calls and it's whatever she... If she feels Lauren James is the right person, I don't think she'll care about the red card or anything else. I think she, she'll she do what it'll take for this Lionesses to win a World Cup. Yeah, it's, it's a big call. It's a huge call. I think as well on that note, I mean, if you look at Serena's stature as a coach and what she's done she's breaking records herself individually I think it's what four finals in a row now the first ever manager to take two nations into a world cup final but I just think mentally like what Jodie was talking about earlier tuned to have started then gets dropped to then get her opportunity again and to have taken it tonight to then get dropped again for the final I'm not sure someone then can flip that mentality to then be that impact sub that you need so I almost feel like Lauren James has to bite her time now. You know, she got her opportunity, she took it, but then obviously let herself down slightly. So now it's a case of right, you have to earn the right to get back into this team. So you now have to be the one that sits on the bench and then you come on and have the impact that we all know you can. And it could be written in the stars for her. So that's why I think I look, sport isn't fair, football isn't fair. That would be, you know, my fair decision on it. However, like I said, Serena could say, look, Everyone seems to know their roles. I think Lauren James is the right choice, the better player she starts. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. Goodness me. Uh, Well, let's wrap up England there, unless anyone else has got any um, jewels of wisdom for us and just talk briefly uh, about Australia, who now have to face Sweden in a bronze medal match. We'll take the Australia perspective in a few moments' time uh, with our reporter there. But just to get your opinion, first of all, Jodie Tash, Such a tough job for them to come back for this game. But it feels like Australia will want some validation, will want some evidence of their ascent during this tournament. 
they basically want a souvenir. Can they do it against Sweden? How much mentality does that take? Jodie, you're the perfect person to ask, of course, based on 2015 and, and that awful defeat to Japan, the way that England left the tournament there because of an own goal via Laura Bassett and then having to be up for it again against Germany in the bronze medal match. Yeah, it requires the mentality to bounce back. It's how quick can you bounce back from how devastating it is to, to lose in the semi-final and be so close to, to making it to a World Cup final. Going off of experience, 2015 felt easier to bounce back, um, losing in, against Japan for our first ever semi-final, first chance of, of at least winning a medal at a World Cup. Whereas the 2019 semi-final losing against US, it felt different. There was way more disappointment. We had higher expectations and it was really difficult to bounce back from that. And we ended up not winning that game and getting bronze medal. So look, they're at home. I'm sure they, they thought it was written in the stars that they'd go on to the final and win the World Cup. And it's for me, it's how quick can they bounce back? But I'm sure they will want to walk away from, from this, at least with a bronze medal and, and get something out of the tournament. Yeah, I fancy their chances against Sweden. I do. I think, look, Sweden will be bitterly disappointed losing the semi-final. You know, we call I called them the bridesmaid on the last episode. It's happened so many times now. But Australia, I just feel like they have different styles of play that I think then they can use against this Swedish team. And I've said it before, they've, they've got the possession style of football, but then they've got the counter-attack with Sam Kerr. The only thing that I would say... Not disappointing me today with Australia, but having Sam Kerr back in the starting eleven that's huge. But sometimes I feel like then they just rely all on her and their kind of yeah. style of play and changes slightly. And she was a one-woman show, wasn't she? At sort of one point, yes. it was the Sam Kerr game, wasn't it? And that, you're right, was to the detriment of some of the other players. Exactly. And, and I think, look, she is the best striker in the world. So when you're wide, get deliveries into the box, play to her strengths. But build-up wise, I feel like they were very direct and forcing balls. And look, you've got five of the best defenders in the world in this England team. She can't do it on her own. And I felt like then you missed Caitlin Ford. I don't think she was involved really at all today. And she's one of the best wide players in world football at the moment. Same with Mary Fowler. You know, Cooney Cross and Gorry have been phenomenal throughout the tournament. Didn't use them enough. Razzo as well, you know, four goals this tournament, you know, ended up getting subbed off because she couldn't make an impact. So going into this bronze medal game now, they need to make sure that they use the whole team because that's what's gotten them this far without Sam Kerr. So I think then they need to focus on that. Let's not underestimate either the different energies that these nations are taking into that bronze medal match. I think Australia, having reached the semi-final, were delighted. You know, they've had the country behind them. I think there's an energy and a momentum there that they'll take into this bronze medal match by dusting themselves off quickly. Whereas there was a real dejection about Sweden. And, and you've said, Tash, about this bridesmaid complex that they seem to have I don't think that they're, they're going to shirk that off quickly I think I think it's going to stay with them that's that's my sense that I'm getting so I think the energies going into it would say actually against all odds Australia would probably be the favorite well we'll be doing our full preview of the final England versus Spain we haven't said that yet have we uh takes place on Sunday um Helen you'll be there just some thoughts from you on this one yeah, oh my goodness, I keep smiling whenever you're saying just these little anecdotal things. Yeah, we're going to the World Cup final. Third time lucky, eh? <laughs> yeah, we're off to the World Cup final. Is what it is. It feels incredible. I think my sister turned to me at full time and I think it just, it really sunk in. She just said, we've done it. And up on the screen was the England flag and the Spain flag. 
they said like the World Cup final written above it and it just felt suddenly very real and what a journey England has been on to, to get to this point and I know Tash and Jody obviously will know better than anybody Australia are kind of going through their our 2015 moment right like I just see them just going on this incredible journey and, and I'm sure that the end destination will be World Cup finals and and lots of success as a nation but it's been such a difficult tournament for England but today I felt really confident and going into the World Cup final I feel really confident about the team we saw today up against the defence of Spain and um, I don't think really that anybody's knocked at the door well enough with Spain I don't think that they're the side that we've necessarily seen turn other teams over and I feel really confident going into the World Cup final <laughs> I don't think Spain are quite the Spain we've seen previously and last year. We've seen moments, of course, and, and Bon Matty's having an unbelievable tournament. We've seen a lot of squad rotation. You know, it's a bit unpredictable to see who, who will actually start that match. But yeah, I don't know. I think there's a, a lot of vulnerability at the back for Spain. I'm not convinced. I think from seeing how Japan picked them apart, it's so doable to beat them. And I, I am confident in the Lionesses. I think we can go the whole way and win it. I really do. Oh my She's God. called it. It's coming home. Yes, yes, Helen. We enjoyed getting your tweet and answering it for you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Helen. Um, we're going to check in with you, I know, a couple of times before the tournament's over. For now, though, um, have a great night's sleep. I'm not, going to, I'm not going still, to bed. Still, <laughs> still buzzing. I'm going to the uh, bar. Go and have some jars. Yeah, uh, mixing it up with the tearful Australians at Stadium Australia in Sydney. Helen Hardy, thank you. Check you again soon. Good day. There she is, Helen Hardy, off to order a Castle Mine Forex. Now I don't think so. She'll be after <laughs> she'll be after something a little bit more English, won't she? At the bar, maybe. Anyway, our thanks to Helen Hardy. Let's get the Australia reaction then to that semi-final next. This is Jade Moore. Join us for the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. From outside Stadium Australia in Sydney, pleased to say that Australian football commentator Georgia Radic is with us. Georgia, commiserations first of all. What a great game of football to witness. Um, I just wonder what the Australian fans are saying. What have they taken away from it? Overall, the main conversation in the lead up to today's game has been the fact that this is such a remarkable outcome for this team to get this far than anywhere beyond this as a bonus. But I think after that particular game, the people that I was talking to around me, we felt like that was a game that potentially we could have done better. And I think it kind of showed some of the things that people were saying in the lead up to the game as well about the amount of minutes that so many of these players, the core group, had put into their legs for so long in this tournament. And I think that Australia was almost caught out here and that's what people were saying around me. We did have a few more substitutions today than we had previously seen in other games. So there was still that, you know, that joy about the fact that we have made it so far to semi-final, especially in a home World Cup when I don't think it was predicted for them to go this far. But it's still sad and still sings and, you know, quite a few sad faces and quite a lot of happy English people around us. Yeah, Georgia, obviously myself and Jodie have played in Australia. It's like my second home. I had six amazing years there. And I think your point's really key tonight about maybe the depth in squad and what Australia have maybe to bring on. And that's why they have to rely so heavily on a core group of players. What do you think the knock-on effect will be now? You know, it's, the tournament as a whole has been a massive, massive success. Do you see now the Federation investing more and the A-League really growing and, and seeing maybe some of the best players in the world coming over to play in Australia? 
There's been a lot of talk at the moment in Australia, quite jokingly, about the, a public holiday if we win. But actually, that's turned into the South Australian Premier putting the money that would traditionally go towards a public holiday, 18 mil, he's put that towards funding women's grassroots sports in the country and for 10 million specifically to football. So that's huge news for that particular state. But we can only hope that, you know, with Courtney Vine still playing in the A-League and allegedly still going to be playing for Sydney this season, this will hopefully translate into success. And one of the best things about the A-League, and I'm sure you're well aware, is the accessibility, how amazing it is to see such talent up close and personal. So I really feel like this tournament has changed the landscape of football in Australia, but fingers crossed we will see that in the leagues as well. We have the state-level finals coming up at the moment and the state cup. So hopefully they'll give us a little bit of taste tester of what's to come and what to expect in the A-League this season. In the last episode prior to this match, I said that I hoped for Australia that it would be your equivalent of England's Canada, where you'd go on and get the bronze medal. And obviously, you've got that match now to play. I mean, how much do you think the country will be up for that? And how much do you think these players will have it in their sights to, to get a medal? At the end of the game, watching Hayley Razzo in tears walking around the stadium, seeing the looks on Sam Kerr's face and Mary Fowler, they looked shattered and broken but not in a way that I would consider them down and out I definitely think there is that hunger and especially the way that this country has embraced this team that they have spoken about the aspirational and inspirational qualities that they have had but they also really want to reward the support they've had in this country so without a doubt I do think they're going to go back to Brisbane that rectangular stadium and do well I think you know the last result Australia had against Sweden was good so I definitely feel like there is going to be such a huge push because of course, they came fourth in the Olympics and didn't medal there. I, they, this team knows success now and they know it in our home country as well. So without a doubt, I feel like they're going to be pushing so hard towards that medal. Yeah, and wouldn't that be um, a great end for Australia at this tournament? Unable to get to the final, but it gives them a takeaway. It certainly does. And some inspiration to push on for the next major tournament. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it, Georgia. Commiserations again. Uh, that's the Australian football commentator, Georgia Radic. to date with everything going on at the Women's World Cup in Australia by using the free Sky Sports app. You'll find news, interviews, live match coverage, analysis and much more. You don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Go to your app store, download it and away you go. And after the World Cup, it's the best app for WSL coverage and so much more, including F1, the Premier League, world-class boxing, international cricket and more. Remember, you don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Just search for Sky Sports in your app store. Well, let us know if you agree or disagree with all of our analysis on today's show using the hashtag OffsideWC and the handle at OffsideRulePod. Um, you can get your predictions in for the final or the bronze medal match as well, if you like. Make sure that you rate, follow and subscribe while you're at it. We've enjoyed looking after you so much during this tournament. It feels kind of a little bit emotional that we've only got a few more shows left. Let's focus on today, though, and... Our brilliant ones to watch predictions game. We're going to do it for that third place playoff on Saturday. Here's producer Sophie with the knockout round rules. This is ones to watch from the offside rule World Cup daily with Sky Sports, the game where you predict tomorrow's top player. So pick a player, and if they score, you'll get two points. It's one for an assist and for a clean sheet if they're a defender. A goalkeeper gets two points for a clean sheet and three for a penalty save in open play. If it goes to a penalty shootout, it's one point for scoring and a keeper gets two points for a save. Oh, and minus one for a red card or an own goal.
We're going to be keeping tallies throughout the tournament for Kate, Lindsay, the pundits, the producers, and of course, the listeners. So keep track of your scores and let us know how you're getting on. You can join in any time by starting with the same amount of points as the person in last place. So pick a player and let's get started. Well, lots of points bagged in this one for everyone apart from me. Yes, that's right. Surprise, Linda didn't jump in quicker there with a bit of gloating. Uh, the scores as they stand are then the producers move into the lead on 30 points, thanks to Lauren Hemp. No points for me. Yeah, I'm close behind on 28. The pundits are up to 17, courtesy of Sam Kerr. Well done, Tash. And Linz, you're on 16. After Ella Toon's goal. Oh, Ella Toon. I, I've, I've won today in my mind. <laughs> we'll let you have it. So for the third place playoff game, Sweden against Australia, who are your ones to watch? Natasha Dowie. I fancy Australia in this game. I think she had a quiet game today, so I'm expecting her to turn up more. So I'm going to go for Mary Fowler. I can see her getting a goal, maybe even an assist. Was tempted to go with Kerr again, but I can't do her two games in a row. So I think Mary Fowler will be my one to watch for the third place game. Uh, producer Sophie is going to go for Sam Kerr. She thinks she's going to turn on the jazz once again. I've got a bit of a dilemma. Whether I go for Hayley Rasso, will she turn up in this game? Will she get more of an opportunity or Mackenzie Arnold? And I'm going to go Mackenzie Arnold, the Australia goalkeeper instead. Uh, I've had a nod of recognition from Tash, so I feel like I've chosen the right one there. Linz, let's go to you. You might have made my decision for me. I was going to go Mackenzie Arnold, but seeming as you had such a dilemma, maybe I go Hayley Rasso. Okay. And Jodie, well, she's going to do something unprecedented in the ones to watch game because we've got three of you on the show today. Jodie's going to choose a player and if they win points, they will go to the person in last place as it stands on tomorrow's show. This is where it gets very interesting between the pundits and between Lindsay. So Jodie, I'm going to ask you to choose carefully because remember, if you choose a great player, that could benefit Lindsay. If you choose a not-so-good player, that could benefit Natasha, unless their picks are wrong. So there's so much jeopardy involved in this one. Jodie, who are you going for? I am going to go for Sam Kerr. Am I able to pick someone who's already been selected? Yes. There we go, Jodie. So much to be decided on your pick. Uh, Let us know if you're listening, please do. If you're beating the producers who are currently in the lead, thank you very much, producer Sophie, for reminding us all of that using the hashtag OffsideWC and the handle at OffsideRulePod. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on today's show. Helen Hardy, Georgia Radjic, Lindsay Hooper, thanks to you. Thank you. A huge thanks to Jodie Taylor. Jodie, it's been great to be joined by you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. All the best for the final. (laughs) Yes, and all the best for whatever next season brings you as well, Jodie. And Natasha Dowie will speak again. See you Sunday. This has been the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. Enjoy the rest days. We'll be back on Saturday for more action. Speak to you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.